And joining the show today is Mike Mitchell. Mike Mitchell comes to us. He is a writer for the Jets Press on Fan Sided. He also covers uh, CFL, XFL, USFL. If it is football, Mike is probably covering it. Um, that's why I've called you on here, man, because we there's so much going on in this in this part of football right now that I wanted to make sure that I covered this. And I'm sure I have a lot of thoughts. I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts. So first off, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you well, uh, taking you very, the time to do this. Thank you very much, John, for having me on. I admire your work and I appreciate the work that you've been doing for a long time in this space. So this is a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and I've, and you know, like I've known of you for a while. I think we met through Josh, Josh Davis, rest in peace. We miss him a lot. I think uh, about him every day. Same man. Cause they, cause he was, this was his time of the year too. Like he was all into this kind of stuff and, uh, it was awesome to see, you know, all the leagues, you know, kind of reach out and, and offer some condolences, you know, with his, yeah, he was Josh. I know we got a lot to talk about here, but Josh was an amazing football fan. He loves all football leagues. And like you mentioned, FCF, the XFL, they all posted about him, uh, gave their warmest regards and condolences to Josh and his family. Josh is a tremendous football fan. And, uh, I know you got a chance to work with him and interact with him. It's unfortunate how things turned out. Yeah. Uh, he would he would have loved this. I'm sure he does love this, you know, where whatever realm he's in right now, you know, his spirit lives on with with us. And so uh, it's really cool. You know, he's such a supporter, like he's a, he was a bigger fan than fan control football than, than I am. And, uh, you know, he would he would have just saying something. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like I love all, don't get me wrong. I love all football leagues. I love the existence of them. I love football players. It's the reason why I write and cover about all these different leagues. But, you know, my my speed, I guess, if you want to call it that, is college football and pro football. And it, Josh supports indoor leagues, seven on seven leagues. He supported everything. So um, it, I, I support those leagues as well. They're just not my my preferred preference i don't know another way to put that one but i'm like like i, I like I, yeah it's, i like it's, it i like what fcf is doing i watch i like they're, they're they're carving out a nice little niche and all that and it's just for me personally i'm more of a pro football guy pro in college than i am uh the fcf but i it's awesome that entities like that exist and they give players opportunities and fans love them so yeah so you've gotten the opportunity right for fan sided and then you've also written for a long time with you know the cfl news hub and the I think most recently the XFL news hub too, right? Which yeah, kind of yeah. covers XFL and USFL. Yeah, we we have uh, the I'm writing I'm covering the New Jersey Generals and the USFL for USFLnewshub.com. Obviously, posting daily articles on the Generals and USFL ratings uh, yesterday that came out, which mm-hmm. were fascinating. And then of course I've been writing for XFL News Hub for quite some time now. Um, covering the league and all that. And I also covered the Toronto Argonauts and the Canadian Football League for CFLnewshub.com. So, yeah, um, I dove headfirst into all these aspects and all these different leagues, and I enjoy it immensely. It's fun. Yeah, I know, and and it's football. And the the biggest thing about, you know, a spring league like this and why, you know, people like us, people that are, you know, around the game a lot that do a lot of different stuff are intrigued is because of the opportunities that it creates. A lot of times we have, you know, guys that come out of college and they go, they try to go pro, they don't make it. And they always get the same story. And it's the, you know, you need more reps. You need to have more playing time. Maybe you're trying to switch a position, you know, like we've seen Sage Surratt out of 
Wake Forest in this year. He's, you know, trying to switch over to tight end. So, like, these are all different things that make this league and this kind of thing important. So, I do want to start off talking about the USFL because we just kicked off this week. So, from a kickoff standpoint, I thought that it was an awesome, awesome kickoff weekend for the most part, outside of, you know, the, the delay that pushed one of the games to Monday and, you know, the, it kind of seemed to lose some buzz and some momentum there. But that Saturday night game, have you seen that kind of energy, you know, from a spring league kickoff game like that? I have, uh, you know, not to date myself too much, but, uh, you know, I go way back to the original XFL back in 2001. And, <laughs> and but, you know, it's funny, that league was pretty crazy and obviously it didn't work out. But they that opening week had a lot of energy, especially the Saturday night opening game, which did I don't know how many millions of viewers. But the Sunday game in San Francisco between the Demons and the Los Angeles Extreme at the time was one of the most energetic. I couldn't believe that, you know, they were playing at the old candlestick park and all that, the energy that they had for that game. And of course the Birmingham game, it was a smart move uh, as far on the USFL's part to have their premier game with uh, the hometown team, you know, and Birmingham has been down this road before, you know, they've had several attempts back in the old XFL, obviously several other leagues in between. um, And of course the AF. So, um, so it's great to see, you know, Birmingham get pro football again. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, scheduling and otherwise, the, the only team that seemed to have any interest were the Stallions in that market because of weather and other considerations. You know, it was kind of difficult to watch, um, you know, a lot of these games, seeing that there was no crowd energy whatsoever. I mean, you know, there were shots of the crowd where you could literally pause it and count how many people were there. That's not a yeah. good thing. That's not a good thing for the for for diehard football people like myself, like yourself uh, and others out there. You know, we're willing to watch football any level, you know, but for casual fans, football fans, when they turn on a game and they don't see any crowd energy (coughs) atmosphere, that's not a great thing. There are a lot of qualms that I have about the United States Football League. I, first off, let me just say I'm, I'm happy they exist. I'm happy they're yes. attempting this. It's awesome that Fox is doing this. Um, they actually own their own league. And so it's awesome that Fox and NBC have teamed up and they're, and they're putting out a league. And I'm, I'm so happy about the players and coaches that are getting an opportunity to play. As you mentioned before, you know, a lot of people don't realize this about the, the NFL and uh, that only 1.9, according to the NCAA, this is not my numbers, only only 1.9% of all college football players make the National Football League. Yes. Thousands of players every year that are draft eligible, only 250 plus get drafted, maybe a few hundred uh, get onto NFL rosters in the summer as undrafted free agents. But there's so many professional football players, out of work professional football players that don't have an opportunity to extend their careers or even begin them. And, you know, when you when you factor in that the NFL career is just uh, the average NFL career is only a little over four years. Um, that's a telltale sign that players are replaced pretty quickly in the National Football mm-hmm. League. You know, there are players right now in NFL rosters that are going to be in the XFL in 2023 simply because a, a week from now, there are going to be hundreds of college players that come into the NFL and take their jobs. There are a lot of, you know, a lot of NFL fans out there that are fans of the Jets like I am and other teams where you can actually pinpoint players that you know on the bottom end of the roster that, you know, are have slim chances to make the team when uh, players are cut right before the regular season. And they're usually, they are usually players that have been in the league for two or three years and for whatever reason, 
injuries or otherwise, haven't been able to break through. Now, my Jets haven't had the greatest history of drafting, but if you look at their roster, I can pinpoint a few players who have to worry a little bit about losing their spots. Michael P. Ryan, Jabari Zaniga. These are draft picks from 2020, no less. Yes. And if the Jets draft another running back, uh, you know, if they dra- they're, theoretically they're going to draft edge rushers, we'll see what happens uh, a week from now. And so uh, that's those two individuals and many others. It's like that bottom end that right now when NFL teams rosters expand in the off season from like, let's just say 75 to 90, those players in that range are usually players that have been around on the bubble on the fringe for the last two or three years. And there, there are a lot of circumstances why those players don't make it. And a lot of these players don't make it to their second contract. And they simply, the NFL is the cream of the crop. It's difficult. To, to make a National Football League roster. That's why only 1.9% of all college football players do. But, you know, in today's day and age in 2022, I think there's so many good college football players out there and so many good college football programs that run like pro teams, basically, uh, that a lot of good players slip through the cracks. It's not because NFL teams don't know how to scout and all that. It's just not, enough, as you mentioned, there's not enough playing time, reps. There's just, you know, and the numbers game works against you. It's just the way it's just the way it goes. Every year, hundreds of players are coming in to take your job within a four year span. You got thousands of players. So, um, you know, unless the NFL starts expanding to 70 player active rosters, I don't think they're doing that anytime soon. People are going to lose, you know, unfortunately, football players are going to be out of work. And um, so that's, you know, um, so bringing it back to the USFL, that's why I'm glad uh, they're in existence and they had a good opening weekend. The game's. All things considered, considering their training camp setup, which again, this is like one of the things I have qualms about. The only, yeah, <laughs> we the only, tra- the only train for three weeks. They have very small rosters. I have to question that decision. 35 player rosters already uh, within one game. The New Jersey Generals were lining up offensive linemen at tight end. Mm-hmm. And, and they just released their top draft pick running back Mike Weber from Ohio State and because they had to go sign a tight end off the street, Wes Saxton, who's been around the block with a lot of different NFL teams, and he's been in these spring pro leagues. But, you know, there and then there are a few other things with the USFL. You know, I understand the financial aspect of it, playing in one site in Birmingham. That's certainly beneficial in terms of cutting down costs, and their goal is to get to year two. I mean, the big thing with the United States Football League that people have to realize is the, the reason that they're playing eight teams in one hub is because of finances and what they want to do. The ultimate goal for Fox is to sell off each franchise to individual owners so they can cover the cost. Because I think people sometimes think of these leagues as minor league outfits, but they don't understand how expensive running a pro football league is from insurance to staffing to everything else, venues, leases, all that takes tens upon tens upon tens upon millions of dollars to run a professional football league. So, um, and Fox knows that. And Fox is in this space because of the success they had, albeit brief because of COVID, with the XFL. And the reason why they got tempted to start their own league is because they saw the XFL was putting in respectable numbers and had a good product in 2020. So that's why they're in this game. And so that's the thing here. I think they'll stay in Birmingham as long as it takes to sell off each franchise. I think they have a two to three year window to get that done. And so this kind of season in a strange way is like an infomercial because I mean, they're not going to put a 1-800 number on the screen and tell you order now with the next 20 minutes and we'll knock, <laughs> we'll knock off 10% of your franchise fee. 
but um, but I think they're trying to sell these franchises off, and they're trying to they're trying to present it. And the production the value we know about Fox, we know about NBC. Production value was terrific. I love the extra cameras. I love all that. You know, some stuff they can kind of trim as they go along. They're kind of experimenting in terms of their audio use and everything else. I thought that aspect was good. And all things considered, short training camp, short rosters, players who have no familiarity with each other. Because when you look at it, you've got basically what, what you essentially have in the USFL and a lot of these leagues is eight brand new football teams. You have like eight expansion teams. Guys have never played with each other before. And so there's going to be struggles early on. And there was some of that ugliness, even in that exciting Saturday night game. There was yeah. a lot of like plays that you normally do not see in the NFL. I understand that a lot of these players, a lot of them have experienced the NFL, some some less than others, but uh, mostly on the fringe. But um, you saw a lot of stuff that you typically don't see because, you know, the USFL didn't have any preseason games. They had some exhibitions amongst each other, but not really. They're trying not to get injured because they have such small rosters and uh, or have injuries. So. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought all things considered, I enjoyed the product. I'm happy that it's in existence. I would assume that it's going to get better as it goes along. But there are some things about it, you know, having eight teams in one setting. Sounds good in theory from a finances aspect, but you know, we saw it's with those hard was, to sell the tickets. It's hard to sell the ticket and they're giving yeah. them away for free. Now I remember in the XFL in 2020, you know, they, they, they're not giving every ticket away for free, but you have $10 tickets in the USFL and you have kids getting in for free. So they're trying all these different little tricks of the trade to, to be uh, artificially enhance and inflate the attendance and have more people. So, you know, scheduling on Easter weekend wasn't great. Unfortunately that area in Birmingham has a lot of weather issues tornadoes and otherwise and, and all yep. that so so you got to worry about all that and so but you know when you a lot of people in Birmingham are not going to care about you know, uh, you know Pittsburgh Maulers game against the Generals you know they, they they'll they'll go check it out but you know they're not going to have the same energy like they did on that Saturday night game which was exciting thank goodness the USFL scheduled that game first and not one of the other games because you would have had a smaller crowd and maybe wouldn't have been as competitive. You know, some of the other USFL games ended up being competitive, one score games and all that, but wasn't pretty getting to the finish line. At least the Birmingham game and uh, New Jersey game had some excitement, some big plays early on to reel people in. So uh, that turned out well for the league and they drew respectable ratings. They did over uh, 3 million viewers on their opening day. Um, and then on NBC the next day when they had a one hour delay, they did over 2 million viewers there. And then on US, USA, 770,000. And then of course on FS1 on Monday night, which was a rescheduled game with the Bandits and um, the Maulers, that did 268,000, which isn't so great. A lot of these leagues do extremely well in their opening week because people love football and they sample them. So the, the key with the USFL in terms of ratings is their ability to uh, maintain a respectable audience because the ratings are going to go down. And then so you get the, it's because you're not going to get a lot of those people that watch that first game. So what you have to do is get a respectable enough audience where you're like on par with like, let's just say the NHL who does, you know, on, on uh, ABC on weekends will do 700,000 viewers or you're yep. on par with some of the, uh, you're on par with some of the other weekend sports leagues. And uh, you know, you can be respectable. The XFL, even when their ratings were dipping in 2020, every week they were in the top five in the weekly sports ratings. They were competing with that's, you know, doesn't sound like, much but for a league that never existed before that has no players that people are not familiar with uh, competing against established leagues like the nhl and the nba they've been around forever 
uh, competing against NASCAR and all that other popular stuff that's out there in the ether, you know, that's not easy for a brand new league to, to be on par or have a couple million viewers or whatever. And in today's landscape, like a lot of these networks are happy to have a couple million viewers. They're happy. You, you see all these entities out there on Saturday afternoons doing 400,000 MLS doing 300,000 viewers. So it's uh, so if the USFL can maintain now, I don't know if Fox wants that Fox would love to hit a couple million viewers every week, but um, but if they can get to if Fox is OK with doing uh, your modest numbers in the landscape and, uh, you know, and they're going to try to give this a go and see if it can be a hit. And like I said, I think they'll get to year two. That's the whole goal of this year is to get to year two. The question is, can they get to year three and beyond? That's a magic question. And they have competition, too. And that's going to be the issue because now this is this. I think this is the first thing that makes the entire sports, you know, the spring football leagues and all this interesting is the fact that now we have the rock owned XFL making its comeback in 2023. And, you know, you, you talked about some of the issues that you've had with the USFL and, you know, that that's probably a whole podcast episode, right? That is just talking about some of the things that the USFL could do better and handle better. Uh, but they really dropped the ball this week in their pregame program by going into and I don't look. I, I get the whole we're gonna do a reality TV show. We're gonna it's gonna be like hard knocks. We're gonna show our league coming to life and this and that. Everything in there should be a good look for you, right? In in whose mind was it a good look to show the partial story, if it is indeed partial? Of former XFL and Michigan running back, uh, what is it, Devon Devontre Smith? Is that his Dave, name? Davion Smith. Davion Smith. Smith. Right. So, who thought that was a good idea to show that and portray a, it in the way that they did? So that was a, so, that was a horrible look. No question, John. That was a now horrible now look. for for viewers that might not be familiar. I, I'm not sure how you're not familiar at this point, but we'll just make sure. Smith was accused of violating a team rule, which was disrespecting a hotel employee. And his explanation, which he had to fight to give in the clip, like they'd already decided they were cutting him over this, was that he had asked a hotel employee for a slice of pizza instead of chicken salad. And the hotel employee said, no, is that going to be a problem? And he said, yes. And supposedly walked away. Now, this this happened over the weekend. This is, you know, right before the first game kickoff. This is on Fox, the United by Football or whatever they were calling it, the right. documentaries, the docuseries. And I'm watching this and I'm going, wait, did that just really happen? You know, like, did they really just show this? And so I kind of got on Twitter and there wasn't too many people talking about it. We jumped on it at Football Sapient that night, blew up. The story blew up and went, you know, national over the weekend. But that it, it's like they, they came out with their statement on Monday, and they said that he broke three team rules, which he immediately responded with, I was not informed of these three team rules that I broke. And, and Alabama is a at-will uh, employment state so they can cut him whenever they want and they, there's no ties I'm pretty sure because that's where they are headquartered out of out of Birmingham they're going to abide by Alabama laws but so he's kind of out of luck there but so the only thing he can really do at this point is bad PR but let's talk about that because if you want to talk about a league 
and you have another league that's going to be competing against you, why would you want to give them any ammunition to pull any of these players away? It's kind of like, you know, when we were talking right before the, right before we came on and you mentioned the XFL making this pitch and we're going to get into that, you know, later on in the episode to agents to try to draw players and staff and anybody else over to the XFL. And, you know, you've got people kind of saying the XFL is late to the game. Are they late to the game? I don't think so. Not with, not when the, not when the USFL is doing stuff like this. I don't think so. I don't think so either. And I think a lot of times, you know, we can get into all the roster specifics about what the XFL is doing, but just to jump on the Davion Smith thing, it's unfortunate that um, not only did they air what they did, and then they released the leaks, they released the team statement to the press and to the public that basically, you know, especially the wording used in it towards in the end was basically saying, you know, Davion knows he messed up. He's begging us for his job. back. Apologized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's begging us for his job back. He knows he screwed up, you know, and then so there's that. And then that was just an awful team statement. I don't know, like the vid- nothing's worse than the video, but that was pretty bad. That was pretty bad, too. That's right on the same level, you know. Players, I understand you're making a docuseries, right? You're making a docuseries and you have hundreds and hundreds of hours of tape that you're kind of going through and you're cutting and you're going to condense it. You're condensing all this. So I understand that. But but at what point did you think that was a good idea to show what you did? <laughs> that's that's my point. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. You know, you know, the big thing is and you know, I've reached out to people close to the league and their take on it is has more to do it's you know it's blown up about pizza versus chicken salad right right but ha- yeah but it has to really do with conduct and it had in their minds it has to do with conduct how being disrespectful all that now the way they worded their statement was as if they wanted to say yeah it's out of context but we also have video footage if we want to show it you know it's almost like i felt like there was like a little bit of a threat there like you know maybe we have some extra footage hanging around of davy on being disrespectful i don't know if that's the case or not but it's just the way they worded it that was strange right yeah, but the problem is, John, with a lot of these, a lot of these types of entities, and that's why the XFL is, you know, is pushing being a league of culture and taking care of their players. They're going to pay their players more, full coverage. The, the USFL has a lot of different things going on where they're not really taking care of players in terms of amenities and everything else. So the XFL promises to be a league for the players, for football, for that, and then the USFL comes out with this Davion Smith nonsense. And trust me, there are a lot of players talking, uh, agents talking about what's going on behind the scenes, whether it be stuff that I've heard, crazy stuff like uh, teams not being supplied with cleats and silly stuff like that. So, and people complain. And then you have the controversy with the chip in the ball, which is the size of a golf ball. And it's it's messing up the kickers, right? You're messing up the kick and quarterbacks are complaining about the rotation on their passes. And so I don't want to name names, but um, there are quarterbacks that have you know reached out to me to tell me they're complaining about it and so these are things research and development to make sure you don't get to a situation or it's just common sense to go okay maybe they're the rotation is going to mess up kickers uh on their field goals and extra point attempts how about we just use a kicking ball and so and rather than let's use this crazy ball with a large golf ball chip in it and that that could you know (laughs) that that could affect kicks and field goals and you have kickers in the league i understand that some people say well you know, the kickers aren't that great in this league, so that's why they're shanking kicks. However, you know, there are kickers in the USFL like Austin McGinnis that was perfect in the XFL. Uh, he didn't miss a single kick, and he played with Dallas. He was in the AAF, and he, he won special teams player of the week three times with Memphis, 
and at SC, he was an all SEC kicker at Kentucky. So I know it's possible for a kicker like him to miss a 22 yarder. Everybody does. But when you have kickers like that, all of a sudden shanking kicks, you know, with, uh, you know, no weather issues at the time they're playing, then you got to wonder what the hell's going on with the football. These little things people ignore, but they're big things in the long run. And then when it comes to players like Davion Smith and these type of entities, unfortunately, a lot of these types of leagues treat the players like they're out of work pro players, and they just yeah. expect them to be grateful for whatever they give them. So if you don't have, if you're not supplied with cleats or equipment, shut your mouth. You know, if you're, if you're, you don't complain about food choices. You know, this isn't the NFL. In the NFL, if Miles Garrett goes to the Cleveland Browns and says, "Hey, man, what's going on here? You guys are not uh, supplying me with steak. I need steak," and the Cleveland Browns go, "Whatever you say, Mr. Garrett," and they'll they'll, they'll bring him two or three cows if he needs if he wants them. Yeah. You know, they'll do it. so I mean, and, but in these types of leagues. A lot of these leagues treat their, I don't want to curse, but they treat their players like crap. And then, so they don't pay them or they'll pay them late. And, you know, there's a history of this and, um, you oh, know, like this is, this is an explicit uh, yeah. podcast. So, yeah. so yeah, I'll go, whatever yeah. you want to say, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, from, I'm from New York too. So I'm used to saying certain words. I'm originally from New York. So I'm used to saying certain words. So, but still d- treating their players poorly. And then what they treat them is they're like, they're out of work, professional football players. And they're like, you should just be yeah. grateful for the job you have. Be grateful for this opportunity. How dare you complain about not having pizza? Get the hell out of here. Right. So that, you know, we don't know. I mean, there are two sides to every story. We don't know what went down. Right. We don't know what exactly was said. At least I don't, you know. And so um, whether or not whether or not Davion crossed the line or not. But what the footage that USFL released made Davion to me look like a saint. And 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 this is going to get me in hot water because I have a lot of friends in the coaching community. But Kirby Wilson looked like a weasel. You know, he was so he because the way he was dismissive of the player, disrespectful. He did not, you know, I hate to use this term in this day and age, but, you know, the, the way I was brought up, you look someone in the eye, shake their hands, you you show them respect. He just weaseled out of the situation, got up out of his chair, didn't listen to his player and then scurried out and slammed the door and ran out the room. And so I know he's a first time head coach, but that maybe was edited out of context. Maybe it just didn't. I, they, I, I hope it was too, because I think that was the biggest problem with the clip. Like that was really what caught my attention, right? When just me looking at it is you have a player who's trying to explain himself and they don't even want to hear the other side of the story, you know? And so in this day and age, you know, that's going to bring up certain topics, certain hot button topics that are always talked about, like, who is this hotel employee? Why are they taking his word and not even listening to the player? You know, and that's the thing is when you see something like this, you're going to assume that there's more to the story, but with the way that it was presented, it was presented as though this was the only issue. It was a one strike policy and bam, you're out the door, you know, which then they came out and clarified and said, no, it was a three strike. He broke three team rules, blah, 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 whatever but would not name the team rules that he broke, you know? And that's the other thing too, that kind of, I, if you really want to be, you know, a league that is taken seriously, because that's what they want to do. If you look at the broadcasts that they've done, the way that they kind of handle themselves, they didn't even talk about this on the Monday night broadcast, you know? So like there was uh, awful announcing was talking about this. I think yesterday yeah, right. where, you know, the XFL 
created storylines and they were very self-aware and they they stayed within their guidelines of the league but they created storylines you had a storyline why didn't you ask kirby's kirby uh you know walking into the uh locker room hey so that team statement that you guys put out is he going to come back on the team you know because you guys suck right now right like you guys are awful this is Terrible football that we're watching. Ironically enough, they tried to run a, a, a run-heavy offense where they ran the ball about like 700 times on Monday night. And they're yeah, exactly. Only, they're only doing that with only two running backs. So you figure a guy who led the AAF and XFL in rushing, he's got a Davion Smith, would actually help them out maybe a little bit. No, no disrespect to Garrett Groshek and Mondry London, who I like, who tore up the European League of Football. Yeah, exactly. League that's out there. But you would have figured if you're going to be a run-heavy team, and Kirby Wilson is a respected running back coach. He's been around for a long time. But, you know, he – this is the problem with stuff out of context. He looked like he was grandstanding, like, okay, this is the kind of operation that I run. There's no excuses for, for crossing the line where a lot of players know when you're, here we go, bullshitting them. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of players know when you're, you, you know, if you're letting go of a player because you want to try someone else out, you don't feel he's a fit in your system. You have another player out there in Madrid, London that you like, you want to replace him. You only have 35 player rosters. We saw with the generals, they cut Mike Weber. They have Trey Williams mm -hmm. and Darius Victor. So they don't have room for him. They have injuries at other positions. So that's why Weber got released. So if you're, you know, just be upfront with a player, but the, the way he was presented now, maybe out of context, but the way it was presented, Kirby Wilson was taking a stand and will not tolerate this kind of behavior. So we don't, like I said, we don't know what the three strikes were, what Davion did, maybe did behind the scenes, what the, at least what the league is claiming, what the Maulers are claiming, but uh, what they gave us, we can only judge what they gave us and what they gave us looked like Kirby Wilson grandstanding and not showing any gumption, not showing any uh, heart, not showing, uh, not handling that professionally. Now he's a first time head coach. So, you know, it, this is new to him, but uh, still that doesn't excuse it. So, I mean, it was just a bad look overall, no matter what. And it didn't create, you know, they say controversy creates cash. Well, they only had 268,000 viewers. I mean, that was, uh, that was comparable to PBA bowling that was on FS1 that yeah. also was in that range. So it wasn't like, oh my God, the, all that publicity got him a million viewers on FS1. Uh, it didn't. So it wasn't a good look. It wasn't a good look for the league. And so, you know, you can get past that. A lot of startup leagues and new, new startup businesses, period, have hiccups in the early going and they make mistakes and they learn from them and they move on. Okay, so that can happen here. But uh, some of these things are just, you know, the, the football, they're having issues with that, the players, the stuff I've been hearing, you know, so it's, a, it's disheartening, you know, it's disappointing. See, if I were the XFL at this point, I'm taking that clip and I'm putting it in black and white and I'm playing it in slow motion and I'm getting every I'm zooming in on Smith's face as he's sitting there trying to explain himself and zooming in on the coach on his little side by side clips where he's talking about being, you know, crossing the line and everything. And I'm getting the rock and I'm narrating over the top of it. The USFL does not protect its players. We do. This is a goldmine opportunity for the XFL. And that's I think that's that'll lead us into our next topic, which is the fact that the U the, the XFL is making this push to agents right now. They in fact they just had a meeting today, correct? 
Yeah, well, was, well, they had a meeting on Monday, but they've been in constant contact with agents, agents and players talk. So the people are right. definitely interested in what the XFL is presenting. And they're looking at that as a viable option. There are a lot of things, selling points that the XFL has going for itself. I know that's hard to say at this moment or uh, visualize at this moment because they don't have their teams announced, their cities, their venues. Mm-hmm. You know, they're presumably going to be, begin play a week after the Super Bowl, the Saturday after the Super Bowl. So, um, so there's a lot of stuff going on, but they, but the XFL has a lot of selling points in their favor. First off, you know, besides the fact that they're pitching, that they're going to pay players more and they're going to have larger rosters, more jobs. They also have a calendar that's more advantageous for players because in the USFL, the way it's situated right now, their season ends in July. So as we know, the NFL teams are going to be having the draft signing undrafted free agents. So a lot of NFL teams are going to be filled up already. Their 90, 90 player offseason roster is going to be filled up already. Plus, what you have is you have players who just played a full season in the USFL. They're going to have very little recovery time to just jump into an NFL camp in August. With the XFL, their season would be from February to May. You'd still have an opportunity to latch onto an NFL roster. And uh, you'll have a little bit of recovery time so you can perform at a higher level. So they're, they're, that's, um, that's a better window there. If they're paying more, that helps. You know, it's funny, like a lot of people feel that, well, the USFL got to the marketplace first, so they got all the players. Well, no. that's, not, <laughs> no. that's, not, that's not really how things work, you know, like because as someone who followed the Alliance of American Football in 2019 when they were playing and followed the XFL as they were building up towards their 2020 season, there were several AF players that ended up playing in the XFL because unfortunately the AF folded, but the X, a lot of the XFL's top players in 2020 were on NFL rosters in 2019. Matter of fact, were on NFL rosters two weeks before they were drafted into the XFL were on practice squads were on, uh, were cut right at the final cutdown day in the NFL before the end of uh, 2019 NFL season uh, started. So like the PJ Walkers, the Cam Phillips, the Storm Nortons, who's still in the league and many others. Uh, so um, Sean Oakman, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I think the XFL is looking at play because they formed a, uh, a partnership with the NFL, with the NFL Academy. Yep. I think they've created a streamline for players to go from like a golden ticket program to train for players who just miss out in the NFL to go directly that, you know, if you complete NFL Academy, you automatically get a contract with the XFL. Then another aspect that we're looking at here that people are not really talking about is that the USFL is supposedly going to allow players to go to the NFL after their season ends. Well, how does that happen? How does that process happen? Well, uh, the USFL has to release players out of their contract. So let's just say they release 20 players out of their contract and they go into NFL camps. Some make NFL teams and practice squads, some don't. The ones that don't are going to be free agents. They're free to sign anywhere they want. So they can go. So that means a good portion of the USFL's best players from this year could be free agents and look at the XFL and say, oh, 60,000 a year. I'll take that. Uh, More benefits and coverage. I'll take that. They're going to play in St. Louis and San Antonio. They're going to play in actual stadiums and all that. Awesome. Uh, We'll find out about the TV deal. That's very important, but they're going to play on ESPN, ABC, uh, Netflix, Hulu, whatever the uh, combination is. So there's a lot of selling points that the XFL could have for themselves. The cachet, obviously the rock and all that. And it's really cool. Danny Garcia being a female sports owner, but you know, and you, you, the XFL has an opportunity to not only lure in people who would have considered the USFL because of this craziness with Davion Smith and everybody else, but they have an opportunity to potentially sign the USFL's best players. They also have an opportunity to sign the guys who just missed the cut in the NFL this year, because the way you look at it, even if you cut down the rosters from 90 to 53 in the practice squad, they're going to be about 20 or so players per team 
that um, that don't make NFL rosters or practice squads. This probably 22 to be exact times 32 We're talking about over 700 uh, players that are not going to be on an NFL active roster or a practice squad that are currently on NFL rosters. That's also not taking into account the fact that the XFL has had a heavy influence and has been working very hard. They've been at every pro day, the NFL combine they've been at their coaches have been at the combine too, Anthony Beck and others. They've been at every, like I mentioned, every pro day, every college all-star game, the NFL PA game, the senior bowl, mm-hmm. um, all of them. So they've been scouting these players. So any of these players that are not drafted or just missed the cut in the NFL, they have full knowledge and uh, work or they put the work on. They're going to be having a uh, summer showcase and combines during the summer so they're hopefully they are able to do it in each individual market whatever the markets they end up choosing so the xfl has an opportunity usfl you know it's great that they exist but the xfl has an opportunity depending on their relationships the deals they make with the broadcast partners and all that they have an opportunity to dominate the space um so we'll see how that goes no matter how you slice it whatever flag you want to wave this is great for football players and coaches because if you have one league that has 300 player jobs, 350 jobs, and the other has 450, 500, that means like close to a thousand players are getting an opportunity to play professional football. Now, how long that lasts, who knows? But these leagues have proven in the past that they're beneficial to players. The XFL has <clears throat> 144 players, 144 that are currently, that played in 2020, that are currently on NFL, CFL, and ironically enough, usfl rosters 144 there are i believe over two dozen right now on nfl rosters that played in the xfl in 2020 so and they're and the aaf too produce players you know young hoku and um and of course dearness johnson these players have proved they can play in the nfl you know they got an opportunity in the aaf and dearness johnson's a nice running back he's going to be a running back in the nfl for you know as long as he's healthy and the browns love him and so and he proved last year when he got an opportunity that he can play and young hoku's an old pro so just these league, the existence of these leagues helps uh, these players show what they've got. And I'm glad that we're, we're entering this crazy territory, spring football war or not. Yeah, but I think this, I think the war makes it all the more interesting in the sense that it's, it's all about attracting talent, right? Which is beneficial to the players overall. Yes. And that's and and that's who we really want to see these leagues be about, you know. And and if you look at the the spring league last year, which is essentially it's the same as the USFL, it's just been rebranded. But the spring league last year, very similar structure, very similar style, very similar rigid type, you know, stories coming out during that season. Yes, I think I think that when you when you're trying to make a your venture, your business venture, be about the, the money, especially when it involves football in this market, players, everything else. You lose that aspect of humanity with the players. Absolutely. And this war, essentially, that's going on for the Spring League to dominate the market is being waged because of the players. And to me, that's exciting. You know, if you look at The Rock, I, I do believe that they're going to get their ESPN contract, right? which you can make an argument. You could say, oh, well, the Fox NBC brought, you know, that's a better package, blah, 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 whatever you want to say with that. That's fine. You know, the thing that I kind of question about is, you know, did Fox pick the right people to get involved with the market? You know, Brian Winters is the, is the CEO 
of the USFL right now, who was the CEO of the Spring League. He's been around. He's been around for a while. There's a lot of there's a lot of stories about Brian out there that you that you can hear about. And that's the kind of funny thing about this, too, which is, you know, as soon as I started thinking about as soon as the Smith story broke, as soon as I saw that, I was like, that's got to be a Brian Winters thinking that's a good thing for some reason. I don't know. But. NBC is only really in it right now because it's filler, right? It's filler for their for their network. They can, you know, develop their talents. They got some really good ones. You know, they hired Jason Garrett. They want to they want to bring Jack Collinsworth up. Michael uh, Michael Robinson's another guy they kind of want to develop. So it's a great opportunity for them to kind of keep working their broadcast booth as they're about to go through a crazy change on the NFL side with you know just their Sunday night package changing. It's true. So is NBC committed to the USFL? Probably not. If Fox is going to be committed because they put the money into it, the NBC won't. Um, I think the XFL is going to get a great package. I think it's going to, when we see a TV deal come together, just because of the way they're pitching everything, with the mistakes the USFL has made up to this point, we already know the XFL is a really great product because we saw it happen. You know, as you mentioned, the pandemic shut it down. I, 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 I don't see any way the USFL makes it to year three, personally. You know, yeah, a lot of people would be in your in your corner on that. You know, <laughs> you know it's having Fox is a great asset. Obviously, yes. you know, having Fox, having that vehicle, it's a great asset. The production value, you mentioned the broadcasting teams and all that. Production value is always going to be top notch. And so Fox is in this for a reason. You know, Eric Shanks and that group, um, they think this can be a winner. And why they cut out the middleman rather than partner with the XFL or buy the XFL out of bankruptcy, which was one of the things I heard that the Fox was snooping around when the XFL unfortunately folded due to COVID. Mm-hmm. Um Rather than partner up with another league, Fox decided, how about we just run our own league? Let's let so in theory, they have some financial planning that makes sense that could work. Now they got to run the proper league. And then the X, this is what the great thing about competition is with the XFL on the scene, it forces you to up your game. And now it's unfortunately from what we saw earlier and what we saw in the first week, doesn't appear that, you know, Brian Woods, you, you mentioned Brian Winters. Yeah, I meant Woods. For the, yeah, of course. For the Jets, Woods and Brian Woods. Unfortunately, some of the things that Brian Woods, you know, when it comes down to it, ultimately, this is a dream of Brian Woods. This is something that he's always wanted to do. He just hasn't had the backing of the financial um, strength to pull this off and he's you know by roping in fox by having fox with him it's helped him realize his dream but you know as you mentioned unfortunately he's got a lot of baggage with him and other dealings but you'd figure with fox that the checks won't bounce but there are a lot of aspects within the usfl that are you know have woods's um fingerprints all over it like the player roster, you mentioned the spring league. I remember watching the spring league and this is probably going to come up during the USFL season, but there was a player, Dwayne Wallace, offensive lineman who was ejected for fighting when they realized that their roster sizes are so small and that they had no other offensive linemen. Uh, they decided to reinstate him immediately back into the game, so, <laughs> which is hilarious. It was a blues game during last season. So, That's probably going to end up happening. So 
the the small stuff counts. The rod either. You have teams in the USFL that don't even have special teams coordinators and wonder why their special team struggles. Uh, there are two teams in particular, the Stallions and the Generals, that have no special teams coordinators. So basically because of shoestring budgets, bare bones budget, what they do is they have a bunch of different coaches teaming up to share those responsibilities. I know nobody cares about special teams, but it's the little things like this when you're not – when you're not going over the fine details of the football operation that are disappointing. And then when player treatment comes into play, um, you know, and, uh, that's a big thing. So the XFL has a chance, even if the XFL, for whatever crazy reason, uh, has a streaming partner and is only on TNT, what it comes down to is presenting the best possible football league for fans and presenting the best possible football league for players. So if they put out that type of product, people will watch it. People will support it. People will enjoy it. So they have a lot to live up to because the league in 2020 did a very good job, but they do have a lot of firepower. Redbird Capital Partners is a strong entity. Um, they, you know, they have connections, obviously own Liverpool, but they have connections with the Yankees and the Cowboys stretching for years. And they're, they're a big business team. And so, and then of course the power of the rock is a marketer and all that. And of course, yeah. Danny Garcia is a businesswoman in entertainment. So they have a lot of power to make this work. And so we'll see, you know, until you do it, you know, um, and, and the odds, they have to know the odds are against you. You have to be willing, you know, I know Fox is trying to make sure they don't spend money and lose money. And they're trying to, you know, pawn off the assets so other people can pay the bills. But in this space, you eventually, you have to spend a lot of money and you got to be willing to, you know, none, these business companies don't like to lose money, but you got to be willing to lose money and be patient. Uh, because it's going to take time. The public doesn't believe, the majority of the public doesn't believe you're going to be around. So they don't invest themselves in you. So they, they figure you're just going to go away anyway. So why the hell am I going to start rooting for you? And anybody who's fans of this concept, you watch the AAF that ended before the season. Yeah. Uh, you know, <coughs> XFL and XFL ended before. And now a lot of people, are rightfully so, assume, you know, USFL, the, the ratings could tank. Fox could say, screw this and pull the plug. Um, but I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to try to ride it out for a couple of years and then see what happens, but we'll see. Uh, they can't have disaster PR disasters like they have on a, uh, had in week one on a weekly basis. That's, that's going to bury their league. They got buried by the football community for what happened with Davion Smith, right or wrong, out of context or not, team policy or not. The way the USFL presented it made, made them look very bad. And they did it to themselves because like, like we talked about, how do you think that that the way that you presented that was a good look? Like I, I have no idea who okayed that. And I would, I would honestly like to know because I'm going to make sure do not work with them on your marketing opportunities. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> exactly. no. And I guess the last thing that I definitely wanted to get into because the spring leagues are such an entertaining topic, right? The opportunity, We've talked about the opportunities they present. We've talked about the war that's upcoming. We've talked about the opening week of the USFL. So let's do, let's look forward a couple of years from now. All right. Do you think the USFL survives what the XFL is threatening at this point? You know, I'm crazy for saying this, and I, this is not going to age well. I think the USFL is going to get to year three. 
I know that that's probably not going to age well because even as I say it, even as it, you know, leaves, leaves my your brain, mouth. <laughs> it comes from my brain and leaves my mouth. I, it's, I'm skeptical about it, you know, of, of it, of it happening. I think their financial model will allow them to survive. The question is with these leagues is can you thrive? So unless, you know, I think they're like, if they could, they could probably sell off a couple of franchises two or three, maybe hopefully for their sake. They could sell off a couple and still have five teams in Birmingham um, next year, year two. But then if they get to point to, to year three and they don't sell off their franchises, the, what I've been told is that the reason they picked the certain cities that they did is because they have potential owners of each place in mind in New Orleans and other places. So mm-hmm. that's why they chose. That's why they chose New Orleans, say over places I would have chose like San Antonio and St. Louis you know, the two most successful spring pro football league markets in the last two years, top, top draw in the AAF two years ago. And St. Louis was ridiculously popular yeah. uh, in the XFL. They were going to have 50,000 fans for their next game. Uh, that was, they were huge in that market. The ratings were great for them. So anyhow, but um, I don't know. It's crazy on my part, but I, I feel that they're going to make it to year three and what shape they're going to be in. I mean, it could, they could be scaled down if they don't, if they're not successful in achieving what they want to do in terms of selling up the franchises, it could be a point where they're just an entity on FS1 and you know, they, they, it's a little bit scaled down and it's not on the big networks and prime time and all that. The XFL, it's going to be fascinating to see. We're getting to 2023 here. We're on the road to that. So it's going to be interesting. They both have, look, this could be, unless the National Football League, which, by the way, they tried this. I've followed these leagues my whole life. They tried this with the World League of American Football. They tried this with NFL Europe. They lost a lot of money. And so unless uh, the NFL, and a lot of people weren't interested in the games, that's the ultimate, the bottom line. And because here's the problem with developmental leagues. If you treat it like a, deve- a minor league, people are not going to be interested in it because if you tell them that the game, the outcome of the games doesn't matter, it's just about the reps, then most people are not going to go to the game. Nobody goes to a football game and says, I can't wait to watch St. Louis play their third string running back. It's going to be cool to see how many snaps he gets on passing downs. You know, maybe football nerds like me are interested in that kind of stuff, but you don't, you're not rooting for that. You want to go to the game and root for, I hope St. Louis wins. You know, I want to see my team win. Nobody wants to go to, so that's what happened with NFL Europe and the world league of American football, because what NFL teams used to do is they used to allocate a few players on the bottom end of their roster and send them to NFL Europe. That's cool. Right. But what they used to do is they didn't want to jeopardize any of their draft picks or their top developmental prospects. So what they do, what they would do is sign street free agents the day before they had to allocate them and then allocate those guys. Because the simple reason they did that is because nobody wants to send your third round pick from last year to go play in another league when all of a sudden he tears his ACL. What the hell did you do that for? Why did the Jets send Denzel Mims to go play in Europe? Now mm-hmm. he tore, tore his ACL. Now we won't know. Why, why would they do that? So anyhow, so uh, that's really what happened with NFL teams. So the games, the outcomes didn't matter. So unless, back to my original point, unless the NFL enters this space and decides, you know what, we're going to run a fully fledged pro f- professional football league in the spring. And we're going to make it legit. We're going to go after the best players. And we're going to try to, instead of making it a developmental league, because by default, these leagues are developmental leagues anyway. Mm-hmm. You want to present a standalone, strong pro <coughs> You want to be able to say, this is the second best pro football league. Nothing's the NFL. The second best pro football league in the, in the world. And so if the NFL doesn't decide to enter the space in the future. This is, I think, even though we've seen since the 80s, so many different entities try 
to create a spring pro football league and unfortunately fail. The graveyards are filled with these leagues. Um, if Fox and the XFL group fails, I don't think we're, I really can't envision any, anyone else coming along that could present, you know, uh, a league like this and with the funding and the backing to make it work. I think this could be a major league football is on the horizon. We'll see what happens with them. Right. It's going to be hard for them to compete against these two powerful entities. I'm yep. rooting for them too. Right. I want to, I remember, you know, we mentioned Josh Davis at the open. He, always, he and I always had discussions about the possibility of them, you know, being a player in it. I'm all for it, but you know, maybe major league football can, can carve out something, but I think if the Fox fails, if the XFL fails, unless the NFL um, jumps into this space, I think this could be the end of, we could get to 2024, 2025. This could be the end for a while because, you know, there'll be other people that come along that want to do it. But I got to tell you for so many years now, people have tried to launch the USFL. There's for so many years now, there are leagues that failed to launch that they, they were hyped up for years and they didn't launch. And we saw like a few years back home, 10 years now, time goes by quickly. The United Football League came out and um, they had games on weekdays during the fall. They figured, hey, all right, let's let's put a league on during the fall. People forget it even existed. There were NFL players in there, Simeon Rice and others. People forget Jeff Garcia, Dante Culpepper. Um, they had some good teams, good players. Josh Johnson, Josh McCown, several players. But people didn't even know it was around at the time. So maybe not playing during, in the fall is not such yeah. a great idea. Yeah. But um, but anyhow, that league had good teams and all that. And they attempted. Mark Cuban was a part of it for a little while. And they they folded quickly. They kept subtracting their teams and they, they couldn't make it. And so I, I think you got some heavy hitters with Fox and NBC with USFL. You got heavy hitters with the, X, with the XFL group, um, Rock and everybody else, Redbird. I think if these guys don't make it work, I think there's a chance we're not going to see this, at least on a grand scale. Someone will hang out in the spring and try to do a pro league. But unless you got the kind of exposure that you need, you're not going to really make a dent. So we'll see how it goes. I'm hopeful. I'm glad that these leagues are still trying. I'm glad that these two powerhouses are giving this a shot because ultimately I think it's great for the football landscape. And so it's interesting that you mentioned the NFL, right? And that they've tried this, this idea before and it's failed is they haven't tried it recently, I think is right. Is part of the issue. So yeah. Cause back in the nineties, you didn't have social media, right? Yes. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have instant access to a lot of this stuff. And I think social media has kind of helped these spring leagues and these little team, these little, you know, entities starting up significantly because they've been able to push it there. They've been able to get their, the word out about it um, and get people into the games in consistently through the past with the exception this week, the USFL. And, you know, for all the reasons that we talked about, but I think one of the, if you look at all the other major sports leagues right now, hockey, football, I mean, uh, baseball, basketball, they all have developmental leagues of some kind that are affiliated to the teams and they are very successful for what they do, right? Uh, Hell, here in Nashville, you know, we have, you know, a AAA team and they sell out all the time because that's the place to go in Tennessee. You know, if you're into baseball, that's where you go, right? Uh, I've been there a couple of times myself and it's it's always a good time. Now, again, AAA, 
next level up, you're going, you're going MLB, but it's not major league baseball. You know, it's minor for a reason. Okay. So you know that you can, you can, that, you know, basketball recently started this and successfully launched the G league to where that's kind of rolling. Now that's operating right now where the USFL is playing. There's a team in Birmingham and, you know, players were going there and stuff as they were documenting on their little show. Is it time for the NFL to explore this option again, seeing that the NFL is the dominant, you know, sport entity on the market? There's no one that comes close. The rivals, the NFL, the ratings. So, hell, the NFL draft next week will probably draw more than any of the sports games that'll be on television. Absolutely. So is this now the time for them to try to maybe put something together again? I would love it. You know, when the, um, when the USFL folded back in the eighties, I go, I go way back to then. I was a New Jersey general generals fan way back when as a kid. Mm-hmm. And so when, when that happened a few years later in the early nineties, I know a lot of people probably listening to this weren't alive even then. But the NFL, I would love to see the NFL of today try to do what they did in the 90s. Because in the World League of American football, like when I think about it now, oh my God, they went into non-NFL markets. They decided to have teams in Europe, a team in Canada. They had teams in San Antonio and Orlando, all these non-NFL markets. And at the time when I was, you know, because full disclosure, I was a huge fan of the National Football League and college football. Uh, um, I, you know, and following the NFL draft, I, I've always been a fan of alternative pro football leagues because of the opportunities that it gives out. And so when the World League of American Football is announced, I was extremely excited because they were going to have teams in America, teams in Europe, teams in Canada. This is going to be amazing. And they had a good broadcast package. Whatever reason, it didn't work out. A lot of different reasons. But running a pro professional football league is expensive. And so it's extremely expensive. And the NFL found that out the hard way. They had good players in the World League of American Football, which transitioned into NFL Europe. They have Hall of Fame players. They had quarterbacks that developed. You know, they had players like Kurt Warner and Brad Johnson and John Kitman, Jake Malone, Jake DeLome, uh, Leroy Glover, Dante Hall, several other guys. Of course, Adam Vinatieri. So you had a lot of great players that were in it. The the football was quality. I'm not in in no way trying to uh, downgrade any of the players that participated in those leagues. I watched all the games. I love them. They were on Fox. They were on all these big networks, cable networks and otherwise. It just didn't work. Now, maybe in 2022, like you mentioned, how hot the NFL is, um, you know, how how highly rated the NFL draft is going to be, you know, that anything with the NFL attached to it, they can maybe try to give it a go, but it's so expensive. You know, they lost a lot. Like, like I don't have the figures in front of me. I don't remember them exactly, but they lost a lot. Every year they were bleeding money. They just couldn't make it work. They did, they couldn't, they didn't make it work in the United States. They drew well in Canada, but they couldn't make it work, sustain it there. They decided let's just run this in Europe so we can, you know, and in theory, it would be fun for the NFL to go, let's have a team in Toronto, right? Let, or pick any Canadian place you want. Let's put a team in Mexico. Let's put a team, all these markets that people talk about the NFL having more games and every year now they're playing games over there. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, have a team in London, have a team in Mexico, have a team in Toronto, have some in the States, as you mentioned, markets that don't have NFL teams. That would be great. Right. I would love that. 
but it's about the bottom line and about money. It costs a lot of money to do it. And then, like I said about NFL players, I don't know. See, with basketball leagues like the G League and all that, it's a lot less expensive to run those leagues. And you do have a lot less fears about um, players getting <clears throat> hurt. Not that players don't get hurt in the NBA. But there's a reason why football players only play once a week, sometimes four or five days rest sometimes, is because you run injuries. You know, uh, so uh, you're worried about sending allocated players to play in another league. I hate to say it this way because I love football players, but a lot of NFL teams won't send the players they truly value into another league because who wants to send your second round pick to go tear his ACL? Yeah. And then, and not only that, they're playing six, seven months in another league in the spring. And then all of a sudden you expect them to be in tip top shape to play in September. So, um, so they, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I would like to see them do it. All that being said, I hate to put like a gloomy cloud on the, on the, on the dream. I would love to see them try it. They certainly have the money to do it. Maybe they can make it work. The NFL is pretty cool with this. They, they like the fact that the USFL and the XFL on the horizon are existing. It's, it's basically because it's a developmental league without being one. They don't have to put a single cent into it. Yeah, and these players are getting reps. These players are getting reps. Referees are getting opportunities. Like Maya Chaka was in the XFL last year, and then, you know, obviously she was the first African-American linesman in the NFL. She made history last year, but she was in the XFL Mm -hmm. refereeing first. So it's great for officials, great for coaches, great for players, great for uh, football personnel, all that. And so the NFL, this is free for them. You're, de- you're doing it for them without having, without them having to put any money into it. Yep. And by, by law, they're not really allowed to favor one side over the other in terms of putting financial backing into a league. So that's great that the XFL is able to figure out a way to have an exclusive partnership with NFL Academy to train players and bring them into the league. Pretty smart move for both sides. Um, yep. So, but, but it, it's, uh, and so the NFL is actually rooting for these leagues because no one's a threat to the National Football League. No one will ever be a threat to the national football league and, and these leagues benefit the NFL by existing. So it's, they're great for the football landscape. I do think it would be awesome to see the NFL try it, but I I don't know if that's in the foreseeable future, but I'm all for it. Fair enough. Hey, Mike, go ahead and plug your stuff for anybody that's listening, tell them where they can find you and what all exactly that you do. Sure. Uh, it's a laundry list. I cover the New York Jets at the jetpress.com. So you can check out my articles there. I cover the CFL at cflnewshub.com in Toronto Argonauts. Um, cover the XFL, xflnewshub.com. I got an article today about Anthony Beck, a recent interview where he talks about the, the league meetings that they're going to be having and everything else, league cities. Um, cover the USFL and the New Jersey Generals for usflnewshub.com. You can reach me. Um, uh, on Twitter, I'm not very good at social media, but you you can check me out there at, at by Mike Mitchell. That's B Y M I K E M I T C H E L L. Thanks a lot for your time, man. I appreciate the insight, bringing all that. You're really tuned into all this, which is awesome. You know, for somebody like me trying to talk about some of this because this is a very interesting topic currently in sports. So. Um, Thanks for yeah. having me on, John. Thanks for letting me uh, talk your ear off on this on this time. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> no worries, man. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into my channel, checking out the content. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and follow us on your favorite podcast platform as well.